are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. This morning, I just want to spend a few minutes and teach God's Word. Romans 11:29. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, the Scripture says, "For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance." Let's say it together. I want to go. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. A third time. Let's say it again. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now here in this scripture you find that gifts is plural, calling is singular. Hallelujah. It's not callings, it's calling. But he said the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. This morning I want to teach on the exclusive gifts of the New Testament. The exclusive gifts of the New Testament. This same Romans 11.29, several other translations translate it a little different. One translation um, readily that comes to my mind is English Standard Version. It says that these gifts cannot be withdrawn. Rather than say without repentance, I say they cannot be withdrawn. They can't be withdrawn. God cannot withdraw them. And our translation says that the gifts and calling are irrevocable. They are irrevocable. So there was something he was talking about. He was talking about something that God gives once and doesn't and does not and will not take back. I'd like to look at the amplified version of Romans 11.29. Amplified. It says what? It uses the word irrevocable. Hallelujah. Let's read it together. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Hallelujah. Did you see that? There are some things that you need to give attention to in the sense that you read them again and again until it sinks. This scripture is one of them. Hallelujah. I'd like to read the message translation and then we'll come back to the Amplified. I want it to sing so that we can run with this. It says, God's gifts message translation Romans 11-29 God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never cancelled. Never what? Rescinded. Rescinded, yeah? Never. He doesn't does withdraw them back. Now, I love the part that says they are under full warranty. 
never cancelled. Go back to the Amplified. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws Sorry, he never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace. Or to whom he sends his call. Is that not something to be excited about? Is that not something to be excited about? A lot of people sometimes confuse themselves about religion and life in Christ Jesus. And without proper teaching from God's word, there are certain things you might never understand. The faith that we have embraced is a revelation. It is not logic that someone has to understand with his reasoning. It is something that your heart has to accept. Glory to God. When Peter was with Jesus, and Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? Remember that scripture? And all of them said, some say you are Elijah, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are this, some say you are that. Then he said, whom do you say that I am? Then Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, the gospel is not flesh and blood can never reveal the gospel to you. Listen to me. The gospel can only be received if it is revealed. The way you understand mathematics, the way you understand physics, is not how you can understand the gospel. The gospel is a revelation. It has to be received with your heart. There are certain things that the the, the mind, our, our logic cannot key in. First of all, that a virgin gave birth to its son. He said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. How? It takes the Spirit of God for your heart to accept it as truth. And then that the Word of God became flesh. That this man I am seeing is God. This Jesus is God. You can only believe it to your heart. Hallelujah. 
And then that he died. And after three days, he resurrected. And that he is alive today. Hello? If it is not revealed to you, you cannot believe it. That's why some of you, when you preach the gospel, you think preaching the gospel is making sense of what the Bible says. No. Preaching the gospel is announcing what Jesus did. It is the Holy Ghost that makes sense in the person's spirit. Amen. Are you understanding me? He, the Holy Ghost has to unveil what you are saying in his heart. When you are talking to someone about Jesus, you are not talking to their senses. You are speaking to their hearts. Hallelujah. Because it is with the heart that man believes. The same way you got born again is the same way you walk in Christ. You cannot grow in Christ by getting the logic of how things work in the kingdom of God. No. It's that same revelation that builds you up. Amen. It builds you up from one phase to the other. Paul was writing, or sorry, Paul was speaking, or they were quoting Paul, um, what happened in Acts 20, 32. And um, the scripture said there, it said, and I commend you to God. He was leaving a group of people. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. He said, which is able to build you up. Now, nothing else will build you up. Nothing else will build you up. Nothing else will bring you into the inheritance that's been made available to you except this message. Alright. Let me stay with this. This is just trying to introduce you to what I want to deal with this morning. There's a big difference between what Moses came to do and what Jesus came to do. John 1 verse 17 clearly separates the ministry of Moses from the ministry of Jesus. The Bible says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came. How? By Jesus Christ. Trying to make you understand that what Moses came to do is totally different from what Jesus came to do. But there are a lot of people that to them, Moses is more popular than Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, I believe from the third chapter there about, as a matter of fact, what Hebrews, the whole of Hebrews was, was just explaining what all those Old Testament ordinances really mean. Interpreting them in the light of our redemption in Christ. And, no, I've shared this before. Um, in Hebrews, you know, Paul, I believe it was Paul, alright, there's an argument about that. Now, he was trying to communicate something. The Jewish people believe, they believe in the ministry of angels. The Jewish people believe in the ministry and, uh, uh, of, of Moses. You can't go and stand before a Jew and say Moses was not a man of God. That's blasphemy. So what Paul, by the Spirit of God, did in Hebrews was first of all to take the things they believe in and explain the superiority of Christ over those things. So he said, hey, hey, you believe in angels. 
Alright? Yes, angels are real. Angels are ministers we send forth for minister for us. But Jesus is higher than angels. Oh. You know, most of the time you study in the Bible, anytime an angel shows up, they want to worship the angel. So he now says, this Jesus we are talking about. He's higher than angels. Hallelujah. All that the prophets were trying to talk about is this Jesus. Then he goes further to say, hey, hey, apart from that, even Moses, Moses was faithful in all his house. But the owner of the house is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What was trying to establish was that Moses, even if Moses was a great prophet, Jesus was more than Moses. Are you getting the picture? On and on and on and on. And then he went to the law and explained the tabernacle and explained several things and what they meant and the sanctuary and the sacrifice. Now you get to chapter 9 of Hebrews. He begins to talk about some deep things about what that high priest went to do and what it means, the symbolisms of those things. All he was trying to establish is Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. If you have not received salvation with the understanding that everything is about Jesus, then you've not understood it. Amen. You know, going to church is different from having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Owning a Bible, following a religious routine, you wake up by this time, you pray, you read some portions of scripture by this time, you do certain things. You practice certain things. You know, it's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is more than that. Amen. It's more than that. So I come back to what I said. So we know that in Matthew chapter seventeen, that's where you have the story of the what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and went up to the mountain. And while they were there, they had a heavenly experience. The Bible says that they saw Moses and Elijah appear before Jesus. And they were in a conversation with Jesus. Now, these disciples that were with Jesus, if they didn't know who Jesus was, for the fact that Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus, they know what Moses represents. He represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. That means the scripture was saying that the law and the prophets are all giving witness to Jesus. Hallelujah. So what happened on that mount as they were conversing? Alright? Then, you know what Peter said? What Peter said is what is still affecting the church today. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 17. Let me show you something. Some of us are still like Peter was when he was on the mount. But you're going to come down from that mountain. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Matthew 17. Look at verse 4. Okay, let me read from 3, alright? And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias. What is called Elias is, that, is the Greek form of the name Elijah, alright? 
Just as you have Peter, and in English is not Peter. You understand that? Alright? Or John, J-O-H-N in English and in French is not spelled J-O-H-N. You understand that? Alright. So, Elias is the Greek rendering of the name Elijah. So he said, Moses and Elijah talking with him, verse 4, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good. This is religion. I want to make you understand that Peter was a religious man. Like some of you. Amen. It is good for us to be here. And religious people always know how to be politically correct. Are you understanding me? It is good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here. What? Three tabernacles. One for you. One for Moses. One for Elijah. Hallelujah. Now, so there are a lot of people today in their lives, they have three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. So here they are. Today they say they are practicing something from the law. And they are practicing something that was in the prophet. And also practicing the things that Jesus said. Amen. So you are here this morning. And this is how your life has been. Your life is based on three pillars. The law, the prophets, and Jesus. Your life is based on three foundations. The law, the prophets, and Jesus. Your life is based and built on these three tabernacles. You know, someone can come down and come with a revelation. Three tabernacle ministries. And then he will say, the revelation of Moses, the revelation of Elijah, and the revelation of Jesus. But thank God that heaven responded immediately to correct an error. It was not corrected it in their own theology today. Look at what he said in verse 5. While he yet spake, he was interrupted. Don't say it. While he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, what did he say? Read together. Go. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Don't hear Moses. Don't hear Elijah. Hear Jesus. All Moses came to do, all Elijah came to do was to give witness of this Jesus. Now Jesus is here. Did you remember John the Baptist saying, He must increase and I must decrease? He was trying to say that my purpose, you know, in Malachi 3, uh, verse 1, the Bible is talking about Jesus is called the messenger of the covenant. Let's look at Malachi 3 1. Let me just show you something. Now, there are two messengers here. Understand the difference. Behold, I send my messenger. Now he's talking about John the Baptist. And he shall prepare the way before me. Then he said, And the Lord, whom ye seek. So the Lord is even from the messenger. Is that okay? And the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. Then he said, Which is the messenger of the covenant. Hallelujah. Whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the job of John the Baptist was to point people to the carrier of the covenant. 
the executor of the covenant. Are you understanding me? Now that he has come, you don't have to listen to this other fellow again. Amen. John the Baptist kept saying, Behold, there cometh one greater than I, whose shoes are not worthy. Now he has come. Everybody goes to Jesus. Amen. So in the same way, we today must understand that anytime you read the law, anytime you read the prophets, look for Jesus in the law. Look for Jesus in the prophets. How true is it? Revelation 19.10 Where John had someone that he thought was an angel. And he wanted to bow before him. He said, see that you do it not. See that you do it not. I'm your fellow servant that bear the testimony. And I said, worship God. Hallelujah. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means the essence of all the prophetic words is to show you Jesus. If you read the law and you didn't see Jesus, it has not fulfilled, you, you, you've not got it to the end of it. Hallelujah. If you read the prophets, you didn't see Jesus. Are you understanding me? Now, why am I saying all of this? I come back here. That voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, in whom I will please hear him. Hear him. I pray that today you will hear Jesus. Can I run a little faster? So there's a difference between the old covenant and the new. And the Bible says, study, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So understand what is old and what is new. And understand where you are. Hallelujah. Understand where you are. Now, in the new covenant, we were introduced to something that nobody ever... Why are we called the new creation? Why are we called the new creation? Why are we called the new creation? Therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new... King James says creature, but actually the new creation. A new creation of God. Hallelujah. A new, a new, a new being, a species that never existed before. Why? Because there are certain things that are exclusive to them that no human had ever had. All things, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, and all things are of God. That these new things, they came from God. Hallelujah. These new things, these things that make him new, they came from God. They didn't come from him. Hello? They didn't come from him. They came from God. So, listen, listen, listen. The important thing to know is that there are gifts that are exclusive to the new covenant. Exclusive to the new covenant. In the law, nobody had those gifts. Hallelujah. Moses didn't have it. Elijah didn't have it. Amen. But you have it. So we're going to look at the New Testament and see these gifts. I'll just mention them quickly and then I will follow as um, the time will permit us. I want to first of all introduce you to I'll follow it according to how um, the scriptures state them. You know, um, 
Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Then we're going to look at Romans 6, 23. Then we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. In Romans 5, 17, let's read together. One to go. For if by one man's offense, death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Take it again. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive what? Abundance of grace. And what? Of the gift of what? So the first gift mentioned here is what? The gift of righteousness. Everybody say the gift of righteousness. Say again the gift of righteousness. Hi. I will come back to it. The gift of righteousness. This is a gift exclusive to the new covenant. A gift of righteousness. Not the reward of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Romans 6.23. I'll show you another one. Hallelujah. Romans 6.23. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. But the gift. Ever say the gift. The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the second gift we have what? The gift of what? Eternal life. Exclusive to the New Testament. Say the gift of eternal life. Say the gift of righteousness. Say the gift of eternal life. The gift of righteousness. Exclusive to the New Covenant. Acts 2.38 Let's read it together now. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Ever said what? The gift of what? The Holy Ghost. So, now Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit is the same thing. Ghost is King James. Spirit is what we speak every day. Alright? So, you can say the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So now, there are three gifts mentioned here, exclusive to the new covenant. The gift of righteousness. Say with me the gift of righteousness. What's the second one? The gift of eternal life. What's the third one? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You know sometimes some of you are so used to gifts of the Spirit. No, no. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit himself as a person is a gift to you. The Holy Spirit as a person is a gift to you. Then that gift also has gifts. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Are you understanding me? Uh-huh. Now, why are these things important? Why are they so important? Um, these basics are the foundation of our faith. If you are not secure in righteousness, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, anything you are doing is drama. Hello? I'm telling you. If you are not, if this gifts, okay, let me show you a scripture. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. Philemon 1, 6. Philemon. Uh, it's just one chapter. Paul was writing to Philemon. He said something to him, which applies to you. He said, hey, hey, do you want your faith to be functional? Do you want your faith to be operative? Do you want your faith to be effective? He said that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Then he tells you how. By the acknowledging, hallelujah, 
by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. Listen, if he has stopped at every good thing which is in you, you will say, well, um, I thank God uh, uh, I can sing. Yeah, that's a good thing that is in me. Uh, what's another good thing in me? Um, um, I am disciplined. That's another good thing in me. Yeah. But, no, it's not saying good thing in you. It's saying which is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. That good thing is in you because of your union with Christ. Are you understanding me? That good thing that is in you because of your union. That good thing. He's not talking about the good thing that is in you because of your family background. He's not talking about the good thing that is in you because of your edu- educational qualification. No. The good thing that is in you in Christ. When you came into Christ, what good things were deposited in you that you should acknowledge them. And what are they? Righteousness. Eternal life. The Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. It becomes clear now. That if I acknowledge righteousness, my faith will be more productive. If I acknowledge eternal life, my faith will be more productive. If I acknowledge the Holy Spirit, my faith will be more productive. Let me use another word. If I recognize the gift of righteousness, my faith will be more effective. If I recognize eternal life, my faith will be more effective. If I recognize the Holy Spirit, my faith will become more effective. Now, the word acknowledge there is talking about having exact information, a thorough, exact, precise knowledge such that you and that thing you know have become one. Hallelujah. Are you understanding me? That thing you know, you become one with it. That means I become one with this gift of righteousness. Become one with this life. Eternal life. Become one with this Holy Spirit. Amen. Then your faith will be more effective. There are some of you here that if they ask you what your interest is in the Bible, everybody will be surprised. You know? Some people just like something that sounds mystic. But let me explain something to you. There is nothing more mysterious than righteousness. There is nothing more mysterious than eternal life. There is nothing more mysterious than the person of the Holy Spirit. He talked about this mystery which had been hidden was now made known. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. What was he trying to deal with? Now, this means that, okay, let's take it one after the other. You know, most of the time, when we talk about righteousness, some people think it's a simple, just a simple thing. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Romans 1.16 Paul was saying something powerful. He said, I am not ashamed, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, it is, that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then he said something in verse 17. For therein. For therein. In the gospel. When we mean therein. He said in the gospel of Christ. 
is the righteousness of God revealed. That means that there is no other place you can encounter the righteousness of God except in the gospel of Christ. That means if you open the law, you will not see the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? You won't see it. When you open the law, you will see something else. But what unveils... Okay, let me explain what, what, what it means. It means that, it's just like now, we, 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 we have this pulpit, alright? And we just got it new. Let's suppose it came for the first time today. You've never seen it before. You know how we, when we, uh, we, we now put a curtain or put um, um, something, wrap it around with something. And then we have maybe um, um, a, a ribbon, you know, tied around. Then we come up with an occasion. They say, okay, we call somebody and say, okay, come and cut the ribbon. Then he cuts it. And then we open it. We unveil the puppy. Then everybody starts clapping. Woo! It was there since, but it was covered. Are you understanding me? Now the Bible is saying that what unveils righteousness to you is when you hear the gospel. Amen. If not, it will be covered. Amen. If you don't hear the gospel, righteousness will always be hidden from you. What unveils righteousness to you is when the gospel is preached. The gospel of Christ. The announcement of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Inside of it is righteousness. That means that you cannot be more righteousness conscious than how much of the gospel of Christ you've heard. Are you understanding me? You'll be amazed to know that if I take, if I do a class now and ask what's the meaning of righteousness, you'll be amazed to know how many believers don't even know what, they're, what we're talking about. Because they mix up righteousness with right living. The Bible didn't say, the Bible didn't say that He gave you the gifts of right living. He said the gift of righteousness. It is the gift of righteousness that empowers you to live right. Let me explain something to you about the gospel. This gospel of Christ, the reason why it is a good news is that you know, um, religious people think that when the Bible talks about righteousness of God being revealed, they think it's talking about the fact that it's revealing that God himself is righteous. No. No. We already know God is righteous. What it means by righteousness being revealed is that the Bible is, the gospel, sorry, is announcing to us that this righteousness that God has is now at the disposal of a human being that is unrighteous. It's now at your disposal. It's now within your reach. Offered to you. Some of you quickly say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you don't even understand what, it, what the depth of what you are saying. You don't understand the depth of what you are saying. The foundation of everything that you achieve in your faith will be based on your understanding of righteousness. You cannot function beyond your understanding of righteousness. I say you cannot function beyond your understanding of righteousness. Truly, in Proverbs 28, it says that, it says, the wicked runs when no one pursues. Then it says, but the righteous 
is as bold. That means there's a boldness that righteousness brings you into. That the, the understanding of your righteousness emboldens you. Amen. It emboldens you. You see, a lion runs from no one. Hallelujah. A lion is not sleeping, afraid that he's going to be attacked. Who is going to attack me? From where? I remember a group of criminals. Some years ago, um, there's a family friend of ours. and um, They wanted to buy a car or something like that. So, these guys came to them. And they, someone recommended and said, these guys can help you. So, they were in the house till late at night, 11 or 12. So, the owner of the house said, sir, um, please, people should go because it's getting too late. Um, outside is dangerous. They said, don't worry. We are the ones that make outside dangerous. If we are here now, that outside is not dangerous again. Amen. Are you understanding? He said, don't worry. We are the ones that make the outside dangerous. So if we are here, it's not dangerous. Amen. A lion believes that he's the reason other animals are afraid. Are you understanding me? So there's no fear anywhere if he's here. Amen. It's when he wakes up. Are you understanding me? So the Bible says the righteous. That's how bold the righteous. The one that understands he's the righteous, he becomes that bold. He becomes fearless. Isaiah 54. Um, let's start from a good place. The Bible says that you shall be established in righteousness and you will be far from oppression. Hallelujah. What is trying to establish there is simple. It's trying to say that the reason why you walk in the dominion that Jesus has made available to you is your understanding of this righteousness. We have been talking about takeover. This is the foundation of takeover. If you don't understand this, there's no takeover. This morning meeting is the foundation for your takeover this year. Get it. First and foremost, understand something. I'll need very, I need, whoever the projector, I need somebody that's going to do it the way I want. I'm, I want to run now. Amen. And I better when I'm down there than coming up back up here. Hallelujah. So if five people need to be there, please just move there and get the job done. Let me show you something. First of all, the gift of righteousness. Let's establish this fact. Righteousness is not a reward. It's a gift. Say it's a gift. Say it's not a reward. It's a gift. Say it's not a reward. It's a gift. Okay. Understand something here now. I don't want to define righteousness to you. Rather, I want you to to accept what the Word of God says about righteousness. That exclusive gift of the New Covenant. Moses in himself did not have the gift of righteousness. I hope you know that. Romans 10. Let's look at from verse 1. My focus will be verse 2 or thereabout. But let's look at Romans 10 verse 1. King James Version. It says there in Romans 10 
It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 2. Verse 3, sorry. For they, who? The children of Israel, being ignorant of what? Of God's righteousness, and going about to establish what? Their own righteousness. Now, there are some of you here that are ignorant of God's righteousness, and you are going about trying to establish your own righteousness. You know when some of you, you do something wrong and then you pray to God, and then you say, oh, ah, I did this, oh God, forgive. If I do it again, Lord, shoot me. If I ever, 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 ever in my life, listen, don't ever swear to God. Amen. You are trying to establish your own righteousness. Amen. No, 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 no. You are trying to establish your own righteousness. He said because, and the reason why any human being tries to establish his righteousness is because he is ignorant of God's righteousness. Let me ask you a question. If I give you a phone, a smartphone, that can do everything, you can even, you don't need to even press any button, you can talk to it. You understand that? You can, it has voice command. You understand that? And I give you that phone. Then when it's time to make a call, you still go and look for that your phone that has one touch light. You understand that? And you go and look for it to make a call. Why are you using that other phone? Simple. Because you don't know how to use this one. You are ignorant about the features of this one. So you are using the old one. That's what happens when somebody is trying to establish his own righteousness. He doesn't understand that God's righteousness, hallelujah, is complete in itself. So they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, he says they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. That means that we ought to submit, amen, to the righteousness of God. We ought to submit ourselves to what? The righteousness of God. That means that the righteousness that God is offering to you, this gift of righteousness, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It is free, but it's not cheap. Are you understanding me? There's nothing you can do to earn it. Climb seven mountains, cross seven seas, you will never earn it. So you receive it. The best you can do is to receive it. Hebrews 5.13 Okay, we'll start from 12. In Hebrews 5.12 it says, for when, we ought, for when for the time we ought to be teachers... We have need that one teach us again. Hallelujah. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Is that telling us? And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13. He now says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Meaning that, hey, 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 how we measure growth and development in the kingdom of God is based on your understanding of righteousness. How mature you are is not how long you've been born again. It's how righteousness conscious you are. Nobody grows in righteousness. We grow in righteousness consciousness. Righteousness is a gift. But the consciousness, the recognition of that gift is what we grow in. Are you understanding me? We grow in the recognition of that gift. We grow in the acknowledgement, understanding what it really is. A lot of people will quote Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned 
It's true. Do you know all have sinned? Now, you know, sometimes, let me explain something to you. you I, I don't know if you've ever tried to preach the gospel to someone. And the person says, well, <laughs> don't preach to me. I'm not really a bad person. I, I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol. I don't fornicate. I don't, uh, I'm not into, I've just got, I know that I'm not born again, but I'm not into all those things. So, I don't think I need the gospel. You see that guy there? That one there is a bad boy. Go and preach to him. That person is ignorance. He's a sinner. Not because he has sinned. Are you understanding me? But he's a sinner. That's what Romans 3.23 is trying to say. That what the law came to do, the law, the law came to do, was to conclude all men under sin. Amen. That everybody is guilty before God. But listen, understand that you are not everybody again. If you are born again, you are no more everybody. You are now the new creation. Are you understanding me? So you cannot be classified again as everybody. But before you got born again, yes, this scripture applied to you. All have sinned. All of humanity had sinned. And have come short of the glory of God. So, all mankind is condemned under sin. And they have come short of the glory of God. But verse 24, it continues. It said, but we, being justified, hallelujah, being justified, being justified, how? Freely, by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All of mankind that sinned had been justified. Okay, someone is confused. Okay, if they have been justified, why, why are they still going to go to hell? I'll explain to you. We're getting close to where we're going to. You will know whether you're going to hell or heaven after this. So I'm going to take you straight to hell or heaven. Amen? Watch it now. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> that some of when they heard hell now they woke up. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. But follow me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How do you see this? Popularly, everybody knows redemption. Everybody says redemption. Redemption is a big word and you know, redemption. You sing songs about redemption. Even the rap, uh, Rastafarian talks about redemption. You understand that? <laughs> Are you understanding me? Redemption. Redemption. If you, how I wish you really know what redemption is. Amen. <laughs> but, <sighs> thank you, Holy Ghost. <sighs> so we've been justified freely through the redemption that is in. This redemption that we talk about. There are two sides of this redemption. There's what we call the legal side of redemption. And what is called the vital side of redemption. The legal side of our redemption, let me explain it this way, is what God did for us on the cross through Christ Jesus. We were not there. You and I were not there. If that was not done, the vital side of redemption will not work. Let me explain it this way. Um, I, I, I wish I could use something. Let me use the law courts to explain it. If somebody is sent to prison, like there are several people answering to corruption cases all over the country today, and then the judge sentences him and says, after looking at the case, says you are guilty. 
what the judge does in court is the legal side. Amen. And then he says, you are sentenced. I'm not a lawyer, but just say you're sentenced to 20 years in prison. 10 years in prison. After that, the court ends. Everybody packs up their stuff. The judge goes home to sleep. Now, the person that carries that condemned man and throws him into the prison house is not the judge. Amen. Are you understanding me? It's not the judge. The judge has no business with that. He has no business with that. He doesn't go and follow up to say, okay, as he entered, okay, make sure, uh, ties, chain, chain this left leg. Chain, no. He, don't, he doesn't have any business with that. He has finished his job. But the prison warden has to make sure that that statement, that pronouncement that the judge made is carried out to the letter. Amen. Now, this guy is in prison. Watcho is in prison. Then the judge, maybe they appeal the case. And they say, oh, he's no more guilty. The judge in court again now says, release him. A judgment has been given. Are you understanding me? A judgment has been given. The day it was given, it can be given on Friday. They may release the guy on Monday. Amen. But between the time it was announced and when they released him, if he knew or if it was possible for him to come out, he would have come out that second that they pronounced it. Now, that thing the judge does in court by saying he is released is what Jesus did on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. So if you check all the documents of the courts and they say, Mr. Sosa and so, they say, no, the court say he has been released. But say, but he's still in prison. No, 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 he has been released. The judge says, no, he has been re- I have released him. That's what being justified freely means. Amen? What Jesus did, all of mankind has been justified freely. Amen? Every man, every man is a partaker of redemption. All sins of mankind have been forgiven. But why is this man not partaking of it yet? That's the vital side of redemption. The vital side of redemption is what Christ does in us because we have believed in what he did on the cross. Are you with me? Because sometimes people mis- mis- misinterpret it and they preach what we call universalism. Or they are universalists. They believe that all people will go to heaven because Jesus has died for our sins. No. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus has died for the sins of all of mankind. But those that believe in what Jesus did for them, then that thing on the cross becomes active. Amen. Are you understanding me? So the reason why a man is going to hell... It's not because he lied, he stole, he did this, he did that. He's going to hell because he did not believe in what Jesus did. Why are we preaching the gospel to you? Why are we preaching the gospel to you? Simple. So that your heart will receive the revelation of what happened when Jesus died on the cross. How it affects you. Paul was writing to them in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. He said, Oh foolish Galatians. Who had bewitched you? Who had, who had, who, if it's today, they say, who had jazzed you? Amen. Amen. That you should not obey the truths of Jesus Christ's um, crucifixion. Before whose eyes, uh, Jesus Christ was crucified, evidently crucified. What I was trying to say was that these truths, we took our time to paint a graphic image 
of what Jesus did for you so that it will be like you were there. Because in actual fact, you were there. Amen. Oh foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently, evidently set forth, crucified among you. You cannot understand why you are righteous if you don't even understand why you were a sinner in the first place. I take it again. I say you cannot even understand why you are righteous if you don't even understand why you were a sinner in the first place. Why were you a sinner in the first place? Amen. Why were you a sinner in the first place? This brings us to the doctrine of our identification with Christ. Amen. Say my identification with Christ. No, no, no. Say it well. My identification with Christ. Now, why, 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 if you don't understand it, first of all, why are you a sinner if you are not born again? Why were you ever labeled a sinner? Why were you ever labeled a sinner? Why? Romans 5.12 tells us our identification, it's our identification with Adam, hallelujah, that makes man a sinner. You are not a sinner because you, you, you did something bad. No. You, 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 you are a sinner because of your identification with Adam. Romans 5.12 It says, Therefore, as by one man, one man, sin entered into the world. Hallelujah. This is how sin entered the world. Through who? Adam. And death came in through sin. And so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. This was the sentence. Are you understanding me? This is how you became a sinner. Now you need to understand this is a revelation of how man became sinner. Man became a sinner because when he came out he started stealing. Then he became a sinner. No. Before he stole. Before he was born. Hallelujah. Because of Adam. Man. All of mankind. Identified with Adam. And were sinners. In the same way. That our identification with Adam made us sinners. Our identification with Christ makes us righteous. Amen. Are you understanding me? Now, understand where we're going to. I said, if you don't understand why you are a sinner, you can't even understand why you are righteous. In the same way, you identified with Adam. And because of Adam, you were a sinner. Not because of anything you did. You did not do anything before you became a sinner. If you were born into this world, and as you came into this world, you know, you never lied, you never stole, you never thought anything evil. You are still a sinner straight to hell. Amen. Because you are not labeled a sinner because of your wrongdoing. You are a sinner because of the sin of Adam. In the same way you are made righteous because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not because of what you've done right. That's the gift of righteousness. That's the gift of righteousness. In the redemption story, there are six stages or phases in the redemption story. You know, when we talk about it in the general term, we use 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, the gospel which I preach unto you, alright, I declare unto you, verse 1, which I preach unto you, which also you receive where you stand, verse 2. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that I preach unto you, unless you believe in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. Verse 4 is the last one. And that he was buried, and that he rose again. The third day. So we talk about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's for general primary class. When you go further in your study, 
of redemption, you understand it better. And today, I want to just establish that to you. There are six ways in which we identify with Christ. Hallelujah. And each of those ways or phases are important for your heart to understand. Number one is that we were crucified with Christ. Crucifixion is the punishment, the process, everything that happened before his death. Hallelujah. The, the process to bring him to that death. So we were crucified. Now, how many of you agree that Jesus was crucified? Do you agree? Now, the Bible is saying that you were crucified with him. Galatians 2.20 King James puts it this way, I am crucified with Christ. No, no, no. Um, I love the way Amplified puts it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Amplified. I have been crucified with Christ. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. So, when Christ was crucified, you were crucified with him. Amen. Are you with me? It's for you. You have been crucified with Christ. This was what Paul understood. I have been crucified. So that means if Christ was crucified, you were crucified with him. When Adam sinned, you were in Adam. Now when Christ was being crucified, you were in Christ. So you were crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Now, you were crucified with Christ. The second thing that happened is that you died with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I died with him. Did Christ die? Are you sure he died? If he died, you also died. Amen. I died with him. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together, where? In the likeness of his death. Hallelujah. That means when he died, what happened? I died with him. First of all, I was what? Crucified with him. Then I died with him. Thirdly, I was buried with him. I was crucified with him. I died with him. Then I was buried with him. Hallelujah. Give me verse 5. Let me, verse 6, sorry. This, okay. Let me read it from Colossians 2.12. It will make more sense to you. I just want to give you one verse of scripture for each of them. Buried with him where? In baptism. The scripture I want to show you actually in Romans is verse 4. Where the Bible says that. Um, um, it puts it this way. It says. Go back to that. It says, Therefore we are buried with him. By baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. By the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in the universe. What the scripture is trying to establish is that. 
When Jesus was buried, we were buried. That's why we yield ourselves for water baptism. Amen. That baptism is your identification that you were buried as Jesus was buried. You know that two things were happening when Jesus was buried. His body was buried in the grave. But his spirit went to hell. I hope you know that. In the same way also, you, when you are buried, hallelujah, in baptism, the Bible says you are raised up in newness of life. Hallelujah. So Jesus, when he was buried, he went to hell. Amen. Why did he go to hell? Why did he go to hell? Because he was carrying your sin. You were bound, hell bound. Hell was the way. And then Jesus went to hell for you. Are you getting the picture? I said Jesus went to hell for you. I said Jesus went to hell for you. So when he was buried, he went to hell. His body was in the grave, but his spirit went to hell. Hallelujah. So that your own spirit will not go to hell. Psalm 16 verse 10. Message translation. Let me show you something. That going to hell, what he did for you. Amen. Psalm 16 verse 10. Go, go, okay. Let's read together. I want to go. Say it again. When Jesus went to hell, that you already had the, as you were born with the tickets. It's written straight to hell. Amen. When they were coming to give gifts, there was a ticket in your hand. Straight to hell. Jesus counseled your tickets to hell. Jesus counseled your tickets to hell. Listen, this gospel is the announcement of what Jesus did for you. That he was crucified. He was, he was, he, he, he died. He was buried. Hallelujah. And you have believed it. The day you believed, all the benefits of the crucifixion, the benefits of his death, the benefits of his burial become yours. He was not just buried. He was made alive. Amen. That's the fourth stage. He was made alive. Say he was made alive. He was made alive. King James uses the word quickened. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15.22. King James Version. 1 Corinthians 15.22. He was made alive. The Bible says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That means when Jesus rose again from the dead, he was, you were made alive with him. After he was buried, he came alive. The Bible says he was quickened again. And we were quickened together. Hallelujah. So, you were made alive with Jesus. Everything I'm mentioning is a topic on its own. I'm just mentioning it. With time, maybe we'll teach it another time. Then, the fifth stage. Made a life is quickened. Then you were raised. Amen. You were raised together. Hallelujah. Say, I was raised. Say, I was raised. You were raised together. Ephesians 2, 6. And had what? Raised us up together. And had what? Raised us. That means when Jesus was raised. You know, you hear the story where the Bible says that the Lord said to him, you know, he, he was raised up. Okay, I don't want to jump into the next thing. The last one, the sixth one, is that we are seated together. 
This takes you from the drama at the cross, the drama at the grave, and the drama in the throne, at the throne room. Amen. So, we were crucified. Say, I was crucified with Christ. Say, I died with Him. I was buried with Him. I was made alive with Him. I was raised with Him. And I was made to sit with Him. That's what Ephesians 2 says. You were raised up together and made us sit together. So when you say, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, understand what, what the process was. Before Jesus raised, was raised, you know, there's scripture in Ephesians, Romans 4.25 that says, for he was delivered up for our offenses and raised again for our justification. If you understand what it took for you to be made righteous, you will know that, you know why God cannot take it back. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know why God cannot take it back. Amen. Say, I am righteous. It's irrevocable. It's unchangeable. It can be withdrawn. It can be cancelled. I am righteous. Now, what made you righteous is that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. Amen. That Jesus died for that Jesus died. He was made. That's what made you righteous. Isaiah fifty four fourteen. I'm purposely giving you all the scriptures. I said I'm not going to preach it. I will teach it. Amen. All right. It says in righteousness shall thou be established. And when you establish in righteousness, this is the outcome. You will be far from sickness. Oppression is sickness. You will be far from fear and terror. It shall not come near you. Listen to me. Righteousness is the reason why everything that God has made available to you becomes yours. If God looks at you and doesn't see anything wrong with you, that means he's saying that you qualify for everything that he has. So it is the basis that he gave you his righteousness so that you will qualify for everything he has. So in the sight of God, you qualify for everything that God has. You qualify for divine health. You qualify for prosperity. You qualify for takeover. It's all embedded in this gift of righteousness. The devil knows that the moment you understand that's why now, today that we're talking righteousness, your eyes didn't like this. You better shake out that devil into the fire. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> that beast. Amen. Shake out that sleep. Why? Because this thing I'm sharing with you is more important than me laying hands on you. If you understand this thing, I say it's more important than me laying hands on you. Be established in it. You know something? All, I said a lot. Oh. You might not understand everything, but your heart received it. When troubles come, you will see that that thing is inside you. Amen. You will see that the thing is inside you. It will rise up. That's the blessing of sitting in meetings like this. Say, I have the gift of righteousness. I have received the gift of righteousness. 
I am righteous. Listen, Jesus, righteousness is not in degrees. No. Jesus gave you his own righteousness. Jesus took your own sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 clearly says this. For he had made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What the scripture says. See. Listen. You are not only. You know some of you think your sins were just forgiven. You know you can forgive somebody. But he is just a forgiven sinner. Sinner bad boy. You just say I forgive him. No, no. You are not a forgiven sinner. Your sins were forgiven. And then you were declared to be right. Christianity didn't come to make you a good boy. No. <laughs> it's not talking your shit. Be a good boy. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity didn't come to make you a good school boy. No. Christianity came and changed your nature. That nature of sin was dealt with. It was swallowed up by that life of God that was given to you. The gifts of righteousness. And then you were made righteous. You know what that means? When God wants to advertise righteousness, He says, look at it there. Look at it there. Look at it there. You were made righteous. You were made righteous. You know that if you don't like somebody, anything they do is wrong. Righteousness means that God has seen you, that you can't do wrong. You know, some people don't like it when we say it this way. But that's how it is. That's how it is. You say, okay, what if I did wrong? See, God does not change His disposition towards you because He had labeled and sentenced you as righteous. Be established in this truth. You'll be far from oppression. If you don't understand righteousness, anytime you want to pray, why are some believers afraid to cast out devils? It's because they don't understand righteousness. Say, um, um, let me call one of the pastors. Wait, this demon is a serious one. Let me call. Why are you calling somebody? What, what is disqualifying you? What is disqualifying you? It's because you don't understand that as you stand here, <laughs> the worst believer is not on the same level with the best unbeliever. You didn't hear me, I said the worst believer is not on this. Is, is, uh, you know, sometimes we say, you see, even these unbelievers are better than you. No, they are not. No, they are not. They are not. You don't understand what has happened to me. Amen. They are not. I am righteous. They are not righteous.
And this righteousness is irrevocable. He can't take it back and I can't give it back. Amen. <laughs> We're stuck in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I get established in it. Every time I hear the gospel, what it does to me is that it reveals this righteousness to me more. It makes me more conscious of it. Then I put away childish things. Whether I put away the childish things or not, I am righteous. But the effects of this consciousness makes me... Hi. People are looking for my trouble now. Alright, let me just enter something. Just briefly. I'm out of time. Let me just enter something briefly. David understood righteousness. He said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. He was talking in Psalm 32. Then in the Psalm, in Psalm 118, he now said something. He said, Open to me the gates of righteousness. The, the Hebrew there is that, Open to me the portals of righteousness. What he was trying to say is that, there is something that this righteousness brings you into. It's different from what the New Testament says about the fruit of righteousness. What will give a man the audacity to say, Lord, give me that street. That street, I want it. And not feel condemned in his heart. You too want street. What are you going to do with it? What about other people? That I also want it. You know that's condemnation. Where your heart wants something. But you give yourself an excuse. Why somebody else qualifies more to have that thing than you. Listen to me. You cannot take over without the understanding and being established in righteousness. Because the kind of pictures that God will show to you, you say, ah, that one is too much now. Why am I supposed to criticize people? Say, eh, if God tells you, okay, I want to give you, say, okay, what's your name? Say, my name is Susan. How old are you? Say, well, I'm going to turn 19 next. Say, I want to give you an airplane this week. He say, hey, I, I just enter a one. Uh, I've not even written my second semester exam. Why are you talking like that? You're trying to say that nobody in year one qualifies to own this thing. But God said, if you are righteous, whether you are in 10 or you are in year 0, the righteousness has qualified you for everything that Jesus is qualified to have. Oh, you didn't catch it, you didn't catch it, you didn't catch it. That everything Jesus is qualified to have, righteousness has qualified you to have it. Listen to me. There is nothing too good for you. You know, sometimes, you know, even as pastors, I've had some people, audacious people, walk up to me. You see one brother, he's born again. Just come. You know, he cannot even speak good English. Yeah. Uh, pastor, I'd agree to I'd agree to I won't marry. Say, uh, okay, who do you want to marry? Say that sister. We get PhD. More marry him. Then even you as pastor say, is something wrong with you? Is it, you do not see somebody like speaking the same English with you. Is that why you want to get married? Now, 
don't misunderstand me. There are people that wrongly so, it could be that they it's not because of an understanding of righteousness. No. It's just <laughs> something that's stupid actually. <laughs> but let me explain something to you. He might not be able to speak English. But if he is righteous, God does not see that sisters overqualified for him. God doesn't see it that way. God doesn't see it that way. The revelation, the revelation, the brother. The revelation the revelation is this righteousness has qualified me if Jesus can have that I can have it this year righteousness has qualified you for everything that Jesus can have that Jesus qualifies to have you qualify for it See, is that understanding righteousness that makes mind-blowing miracles and testimonies happen in your life? Where you hear that somebody did not write application letter. They gave him managerial post. How? How? He said, but I didn't qualify for it. Jesus has qualified you. Do you know what favor is? Favor is having something that naturally you don't qualify for. But Jesus has qualified you for it. And he gives it to you. There's nothing too good for you. There's no amount of money that is too big for you. There's no business circle that you don't qualify to be in. There's, are you understanding me? No. Don't ever condemn yourself again. Say, I'm righteous. See, there's no door that cannot open for you. There's no way you cannot enter. There's some of you, you will leave this camp meeting. You'll find yourself in a place where they will call you to talk to a group of people. Naturally speaking, you don't qualify to stand before them. But God has qualified you. When you will stand and talk, they will ask, where have you been? Where have you been? Where have you been? Because heaven has qualified you. You say, and I don't really know much about. I don't really know much about. Ah. You see, someone say, I've never. Ah, ah, I've only. I've entered night bus to Lagos. I've never flown on a plane. They say, oh, you are going to America this year. Send me. Hey. Hey. I've not even, even Abuja, I've not even entered. I say, Abuja, I've not even gone. You know? I've, I've been in faith four years now. Praying to go to Abuja. Praying to go to Abuja. You are not telling me that I will go to US this year. How? By favor. By the favor of God. You qualify. Jesus has qualified you. Jesus has qualified you. Places that you thought you didn't qualify for, 
Now your heart has opened. Because you are righteous. You are righteous means you qualify in my sight. That's what God is saying. You are righteous means I have qualified you. Righteousness is a spiritual qualification from heaven. Is a certificate. Are you understanding me? What is certificate? It has on it your name. But Jesus was the one that went through the process for you. Amen. So heaven has certified you for billions, for multi millions, for promotions, for increase, for favors. There is no certification that is superior to heaven's certification. If you want to, you are into maybe engineering practice, they have some councils or, you know, they could have a, a current or something like that, you know, regulation of engineering in Nigeria, blah, blah, blah. And they have to certify you. In medical practice, they could have their own de- uh, medical council and so on and so forth. But heaven has certified you. The kind of lands that will enter your hand. It is not because you have been working for 20 years. No. Because heaven has qualified you. Heaven has qualified you. Oh, he said, no, I don't, even, I don't know how to speak the language, you know. I don't know how to communicate, you know. Somebody went somewhere, he couldn't even use cutlery. You understand that? And everybody there was just well cultured, you know, doing the thing. Just, say, uh, just sat down there and he said, eat. <laughs> he, he, the reason why he was not eating was that he doesn't know which one to pick first. He said, don't worry, I'm okay. He was there salivating, hungry. And everybody's eating. He didn't know what to pick first. So he just stayed hungry. Yet, he's the one that gave me the contracts. Are you understanding me? He's the one that gave me the contract. Everything will not add up. But in the, in the spirit, everything is already balanced. In the natural, in the natural, all the things might not add up. But what Jesus has done for you, everything is settled. And so the things that didn't add up in the natural will not stop what God wants to do. No, it won't stop it. It won't stop it. It won't stop it. Just pray in tongues for a while. If you're here, you've not made... Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the best in our around the world.